0: A few years back when our worship pastor bill's little son ryan was learning how to read uh he had watched us when we would go out to eat enough at, at like restaurants that serve like the like the fortune cookie uh, type of things. He had seen us do that enough that he decided he wanted to try to read those for us. So it was after church one Sunday, we head out to the hibachi buffet and grill just up the, the road here. And at the, uh, at the end, they present us with the bill. They give us all the fortune cookies and Ryan wants to, to be the one. So we break all of ours open and we hand the little slips of paper Over to Ryan. Now, this particular one, let's see what this one says. The road to success is always under construction. So, right, it's just these little goofy sayings that they put on these things. But in this particular restaurant, they have on the back, it says, How about another fortune? And then it has a website where you can go and look up, like, more of these, quote-unquote, little fortunes, right? So, anyway, we we break open the cookies. We hand all these little slips over to Ryan. He picks up the very first one. And remember, he's just learning how to read. So, he's sounding everything out. And he goes, how about another... Fortune. So he's reading the wrong side, right? And so he puts that one down. He picks up another slip off the thing. Again, he picks up, and it's the wrong side. So he's like, how about another fortune? And he puts that one down. He picks up the third one. Guess which side he looks at? The wrong side. How about another fortune? fortune. He's like, this is stupid. And he just like puts, it down. He puts it down. He doesn't even bother to read the fourth one. Now, a lot of people, we think of the, the book of Proverbs of being somewhat similar to fortune cookies. We think that it's these like little short, sort of pithy sayings. Or some people think what Ryan did in this particular case, that Well, Proverbs just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again. So why would I want to bother even reading this type of thing? But here's what you need to understand. Proverbs has so much more than that. And so what we're doing is today, this last day of the year, and then for the first five weeks of the new year, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. And some of the things that you can learn in the book of Proverbs is going to help you in your life. It's going to help you with your, your finances. It's going to help you with your career, with your friendships. It's going to help you with, you know, just so many things. I mean, Proverbs has so much wisdom in it, and it really can help to set the direction for your 2024 if you'll let it. So I would truly and strongly encourage you, be here for all of the weeks of this series because it could truly, truly be life-changing for you. So with that said, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. That's where we're going to start at here this morning, Proverbs chapter 1. As you're turning there, let me remind you, in case you don't know, that King Solomon is actually the one who writes most of Proverbs. Not all of Proverbs, but most of Proverbs. But Solomon is writing this not as the wisest man who ever lived, not as the king of Israel, even though he was both of those things. He's actually writing this as a father. He, he's, he's writing it to everybody, but specifically he's writing this to his kids. He's now a little bit older in life. And he wants his kids to know, look, here are some of the mistakes I made. Oh, boy, don't do this, don't do that. And he he writes just these, like, little short sayings that are lessons from his life. And then he also gives some, like, positive types of things where he's saying, hey, here's some of the things I learned that I, I want you to succeed in life much faster than I did. So make sure you apply this to your life. So again, it's this father writing to his children these words. But again, he's writing to the people of his day, he's writing to us as well. So let's jump right on in. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, we'll go through the first part of verse 5. These are the Proverbs of King Solomon of Israel, the son of David. Proverbs will teach you what? Proverbs will teach you, let me hear it. It's going to teach you wisdom and self-control and how to understand sayings with deep meaning. You will learn what is right and honest and fair From these, an ordinary person can learn to be smart, and young people can gain knowledge and good sense. If you're already wise, you will become even wiser. Now, the first thing I want to point out to you here today is that there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Did you ever think about that before? There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Now, I'm all for knowledge. I have two college degrees. Um, I've said this to you in the past that I believe that even better than a formal education is a self-education. So I am constantly reading, I'm constantly watching things, I'm constantly listening to things. Education, education, I'm all for getting more and more knowledge. But wisdom is the more important thing. And I think this is where the old saying comes in, you've probably heard this before, but the difference between wisdom and knowledge is this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting a tomato in the fruit salad. That makes sense? The difference between knowledge and wisdom. And so what wisdom is, is applied knowledge. It's taking all the knowledge that you have, and now it's actually doing something with it. It's not enough just to know things. You now have to apply it to your life. That's wisdom. When you know something, then you do something with it. Especially when it comes to our faith. I don't care how many Bible verses you have memorized. I don't care how many Bible stories that you can tell. If you're not actually living it out, if you're not actually applying it to your life, then your faith is useless. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And what Solomon says is, man, you need to get as much wisdom in your life as you can. How do we get wisdom? Well, we get knowledge, but then we apply it to our lives. Now, why is this so important? Well, did you know that every single day, the average human being has 35,000 different decisions that you make? 35,000. Some are very inconsequential. So, for example, right now, I have the choice to make. Am I going to talk to you guys over on the right? Am I going to talk to you guys on the left? Am I going to talk to you guys there at home? Where am I going to look at? Now, that, that doesn't really mean much, right? It doesn't matter if I'm talking here, or here, or the camera. It doesn't really matter right now. But then some decisions that you make are huge. Who are you going to marry? By the way, 25 years today, Nate and Allison right there, give them a big hand. <laughs> That's a big decision. Who am I going to marry? What career path am I going to take? What am I going to do, like, with with my health? What am I going to do with my finances? There's, like, these major, major decisions that we have to make. Most of our decisions, though, are somewhat in the middle. These are the day-to-day decisions that we make every single day. And it seems at the time that many of these things are a little bit inconsequential, but... If you start to stack it up, it can become very, very consequential. Let me give you an example. Today's the last day of the year. And maybe I go, you know what? Instead of eating healthy tonight, I'm in the mood for a Big Mac. I don't normally eat Big Macs. Maybe the last day of the year, I'm going to have me a Big Mac. That decision by itself isn't all that consequential. However, if I decide then that every single day for 2024, I'm going to have a Big Mac for dinner, guess what? That is consequential. So what we need to understand is that the little decisions that we make, if we continue to repeat them over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden they become habits. And habits then all of a sudden start to shape your destiny. They start to shape your future. They shape who you are and who you're becoming. And so we've got to be very, very careful about the decisions that we make. And so that's why Solomon says, man, when it comes to your decisions, you've got to be making the wisest decisions that you possibly can. So yes, get knowledge. But most of all, gain wisdom. We have got to gain wisdom. And that's what the book of Proverbs does for us, is it gives us principles for making better and better and better decisions each and every day. Now, I don't know if you just picked up on the little word that I used there, but I put it on your outline because this is so important for you to understand. Here it is. Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. I'll say that again. Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. You're going go over what's the difference. Principles are things that God says that we should do. Promises are things that God says that he's going to do for us. Make sense? Principles are things that God says, here is something I want you and you and you and you and you. I want you to do this. If you do this, more than likely, life is going to go a lot better for you. Those are principles. God says, you do this. Promises are things, it doesn't matter who we are, it doesn't matter what we do, God says, I'm doing this for you. It's a guarantee. Now, one of the things you have to understand is that a lot of times God's promises have conditions. Guess what the condition is? You got to follow my principles. So if you do this, then I will do this for you. So promises always happen. Principles most of the times happen. Not all the time, but it's the wisest way to live. And that's what Proverbs is about. Here is the wisest way for you to live because most of the time it's going to happen. Now there are exceptions. So let me give you an example. Let me grab that fortune cookie back out. One up here. Oh, dropped it. There we go. Okay. Um, most of the time, if we would take this and, and we would put it on your hand, and let's say we got out like a, a light or something, and we like lit that on your hand, you're going to get burnt. Right? That would not be the wise thing to do. God has principles that He has in life. That he says, don't do this, or do this. It's a, a principle. And so fire in human skin, there's a principle that says, <laughs> don't do that. You will get hurt. <laughs> All right? However, sometimes you can do it and not get hurt. Now, by the way, this is the part where, seriously... I say to you, do not try this at home. (laughs) Don't try this when you go out to the next Chinese buffet place. (laughs) All right? You will get burnt. However, I didn't. So there was an exception to it. But just because there are sometimes exceptions, in this case, like with, with Proverbs, you don't go, well... Gilbert said, you know, these are principles, and sometimes there may be an exception that doesn't work. Well, 99.9999% of the time, somebody's going to get burnt if they, like, did that. And just because there's the occasional a- exception when it comes to the-, the principles here, doesn't mean that you go, well, I'm just not doing it because, well, maybe it's not going to work for me, right? So we've got to be always applying God's Word to our lives. And again, these are principles, not promises. Solomon says this then, second part of verse 5, and then into verse 6. If you are smart, you will learn to understand Proverbs and sayings as well as words of wisdom and all kinds. Of riddles. And that's what I want to help you to do throughout the rest of the series. How do we start to understand these principles? How do we start to understand these proverbs that God has given us? I mean, where do we even start? Well, thankfully, we don't even have to guess. Solomon tells us in the very next verse, verse 7. He says, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction." Now, a couple chapters later, he actually says something very, very similar. Look at Proverbs 9.10. Solomon writes, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So Solomon writes here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He says it's the foundation of wisdom. And so that's where we start. We start with the fear of the Lord. Now, some of you are going, that's a little confusing because... Gilbert, aren't we told, like, not to fear? Like, aren't there actually scriptures that say that we're not to, as Christians, fear? And the answer is yes. But the fear of the Lord is a different type of fear than the fear that you're thinking of. The, the type of fear that we think of is like a, a nervousness of a, a cowering that, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of something, that I, I can't do this. But The fear of the Lord is completely different. Let, let me explain it to you this way. There are two relationships in my life that I'm absolutely blown away and it boggles my mind that these people even wanted to have anything to do with me. The first one is my wife Lisa. I mean, you've got to you've got to get the picture in your mind of who I was when she first met me. I'm not a Christian. I'm a professional magician. The first time she meets me, I've got jeans on, so that hasn't changed. But I've got jeans on, but I had a white button-down dress shirt on, tucked in with a knit tie. Like, I don't even know if they make knit ties anymore. I have this, it would say, uh, 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 maroon knit tie on. I got a flat top. Haircut, right? How I even got a date, much less that we've been married 28 years now. I'm, I'm not even sure. So that just boggles my mind. The other relationship is my relationship with Rick Warren. Because keep in mind that when I started working for Rick, I was 29 years old. I'd only been a pastor three years. And here's this guy that has this huge megachurch, 25,000 people. And he has this global training organization where he's training pastors all around the world. And he says to me, I want you to be the one that does the training for all those pastors. What? <laughs> Again, boggles the mind that in each case, Lisa and Rick, they said, I want you. Now keep in mind, they're both sinful human beings. But Now I want you to think about God. The God of the universe, the the perfect God of the universe says, I want a relationship with you and you. Despite your sinfulness, despite the the times that you mess up and don't do the right things, I still want a relationship with you. Talk about something that, that boggles the mind. I mean take what I was feeling with Lisa and with Rick and now, like, multiply that by at least a trillion. And if we start to truly grasp that, that God wants a relationship with me, oh, my goodness. Talk about humbling. And so the the fear of the Lord is this, this holy reverence For who God is and all that God has done for us. The the fear of the Lord is this this humble submission. So I guess there is in some ways, there's a a little bit of a cowering, but it's not a a cowering in in fear in the way that we think of a fear. Again, it's this this submission that, God, are you sure? Me? (laughs) Me? Little old me? You want to have a relationship with Me? thank you. And the, the fear of the Lord then is this, this attitude of, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to do anything in my ability to not displease you. And and, and God, I'm going to, again, in humble submission, I'm going to do what it is that you say to, to do because I want to do things that please you. That's the fear of the Lord. Th- this humble, Submission that the king of the universe wants something to do with me. But it gets even better. Because yes, throughout scripture, oftentimes we see God as metaphorically, it's it's related to him being a king. But you know what? Even more than that he's referred to. 189 times, he is called our father. He's our father. A loving, caring, attentive, wants the, only the best for his kids, father. Now, I know any time I bring up about God being like a father, for some of you, makes you a little nervous, makes you a little bit uncomfortable because maybe your relationship with your earthly father wasn't great. Maybe you were abused as a kid. Maybe you were abandoned by your father. Maybe your father wasn't attentive. It was absent a lot of the time. Maybe you had a a good father and you knew that your father loved you, but a lot of that love was dependent on how well you were doing academically or how well you were doing athletically at the time. And so, again, I, I understand that, This idea of God being a father, for some of you, it makes you uncomfortable, but don't think of your earthly father when you think of God. This is a good, good father, as we just sang about a little bit ago. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants only the absolute best for you. That's who God is in our lives. And Jesus illustrates this in Luke chapter. 15, he tells the story, and and you guys probably know it, you've heard it before, the story of the prodigal son. You remember the the story, there's this father, he has two sons, and one of the sons, the younger son, he basically goes to his dad and says, I wish you were dead, I I would wish I had my inheritance right now. And the father, being a, a good and loving father, goes, all right, here's the money, take it. And so, what does the boy do? He goes off into the city, goes off on his own because he thinks he knows better than his father. And he spends all the money on prostitutes and drugs and alcohol. He just blows it all. And eventually, he gets to a place where he's homeless. And he's like, Man, even the the pigs here are eating better than I am. And he thinks to himself, Well, I, I. can't go back to my father and be a son again because I've done too much. I've messed up too much. He says, I know, I'll, I'll go back and I'll beg. Can I be one of your slaves? Can I be one of your servants? Because I know my dad's servants eat better than what, you know, I'm doing right now. I mean, even the pigs are eating better than I am right now. And so he starts to return home. But his father, every single day, has been praying that his son would return. In fact, many times he stands out by the roadside just looking off into the distance, just praying that God bring my son back home. And sure enough, one day, the father spots the son walking up the road. And what does he do? The father takes off and he runs to the son and he embraces him. He says to his servants, kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate, for this son of mine, he was lost, but now he is found. That is the heart of God the Father towards us. Because you and I, we are that son. We are the ones that have gone off and we've lived a life of wild living. Maybe not prostitutes and alcohol and drugs, but we've all done things that have displeased God. But yet God is constantly praying, and as a father going, man, I want them to come home because I will embrace them back into my life. I will have a relationship with them. That is the heart of the Heavenly Father, which brings us back to Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. Throughout all of Scripture, all 31 chapters here in Proverbs, we keep reading about that we need to live our lives in the light of the fact that God is a good, good father. He's all-powerful, he's all-loving, and he wants us to know him. But we've got to apply wisdom into our lives. So in, in response to knowing that God is a good father, remember that's knowledge. I've given you knowledge now of how good he is. But wisdom is what? Wisdom is applying the knowledge That you have. So, how do we apply this knowledge that we have that God is this good, good father? Well, again, we don't have to guess because it's found right here in Proverbs. And this is a very, very famous verse. You're probably already familiar with it, but I want you to hear it in light of everything that I just shared with you. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path. To take Now, I guarantee you this week you could go up to the Hobby Lobby and you could buy Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 on a plaque. But what I want you to hear is Proverbs 3 to 5 to 6 isn't a plaque on your wall. It is something that's to be written on your heart. God is a good, good father. So what is the wisdom? How do we apply that? We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge who he is. The fear of the Lord. We acknowledge that. And he will direct our path. And so that's what this series is going to be about. How do I trust the Lord? with all the decisions that I have to make. 35,000 decisions a day. How do I trust him in every single decision that I make? How do I trust him with my friendships? How do I trust him with my career? How do I trust him with my finances? And then the final week of the series, we're gonna look at how do I trust him with what's important in this life and what's not important in this life? So again, I wanna encourage you, be here for each and every one of the weeks of this series we discover more and more of the book of Proverbs and this Father in heaven who loves us so that we can become like Jesus then and ultimately pray this. Father, not my will be done. Let your will be done. So again, join us as we go through this incredible, incredible book. And what I want to encourage you to do is as a brand new year starts tomorrow, just start reading a proverb every single day. Just read a proverb a day. They're not very long. Like one chapter is what I meant. Not like literally like one little. (laughs) I meant like one chapter a day. And watch as it starts to change your life. Not because you've got more knowledge, but because of what? What are you doing? You're applying it. You're you're gaining wisdom by actually applying what it is that you read. So let's do that together as we begin a brand new year. Let's pray together. Father, We thank you as we close out this last day of 2023 and we look forward to 2024. And Lord, I just pray that we would in in all ways, not just with Proverbs, but in in all the things that we read um, there in the the New Testament as we're, we're reading your new covenant to us, that we would begin applying those things to our lives. That, Father, you would help us to see that your ways are better than our ways, that you know better than we do because you're a good, good father and and you see things that we don't. Lord, help us to take these principles that you have given us, and apply them to our lives. Lord, we just thank you that oftentimes when we follow your principles, then that's when your promises in our lives start to come true as well. And Lord, there are just so many awesome promises that you've given us. And so I just, uh, I would pray that As we're faithful, you would hold up your end then as well, which we know that you'll do. So, Father, just uh, help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to do what Jesus' brother James said, that not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. Again, that is wisdom. So help us to be wise as we head into this brand new year. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, all that you're doing in our lives, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.